All right, Phil. Here we are again, episode 63. Wow. Bring us in. That's a lot. This is a lot. Bring us in. <laughs> Can you fucking believe it? 63. 63. Oh, my goodness. I'm deciding that I'm... Although, I don't know. There might be a couple in there that I'd prefer to, like, exile. Yeah, really. So, maybe we're at, like, 55. <laughs> 55 good ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tops. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being generous yeah with ourselves yes and uh internet you know please be gentle because <laughs> we we don't like to be you know harassed oh no <laughs> you know we get so much Hara- conversation from I know. you guys we got you know you guys are the best you comment on every single thing we do wow we're being ingrates right now aren't we facetious <laughs> yeah all right, so you know what? This is, uh, we actually, uh, just to give a little background, we actually just recorded our podcast preview. I'm all in about the, you know, uh, the reality of the whole thing. So, <laughs> we are now going to completely ignore the Oscars. Fuck them, right? But well, we already did it. I know. Oh, we did, yeah. Oh. Oh. We done them Oscars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck the Oscars, right? So anyway, we're going to do now... I are uh, current and or not so current movie reviews. Mm. So, let's do it. Do it to it. All right. You want to go first or you want me to? Um, I guess I'll go first. All right. Mm. Yeah. I feel I have a feeling that this particular episode is going to be a little more jokey than the last one. Yay. So, that's good. Okay. Because that's what our fans expect. Hey. Hey. Um I want to talk about burning. I saw burning. Who doesn't? Um, Let's go. The new Richard, or not so new, Richard Linklater picture uh, with Jack Black, uh, Shirley MacLaine, and that guy from Magic Mike. Why did I forget his name? Uh, Yeah, the muscly guy. (laughs) That guy. (laughs) That guy. Dallas. What the fuck? Why can't I remember his name? A Time to Kill. Matthew Help McConaughey? Me. Yes, thank okay. you. Okay, I was thinking of the other guy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so, I'm Bernie. Like the muscly guy. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Bernie is a true story. It's a true yes, crime it is. film. Um, about a About a very likable gentleman in Texas who uh, befriends an old lady um, and is her, like, go-to person, they travel the world together, they always they hang out together, yada, yada, yada. He eventually kills her. Okay. And, um, and then Matthew McConaughey is the prosecutor trying to put him in jail. Um, I can relate. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of talk for Jack Black for, for a Best Actor nomination. It didn't happen. Right. Um, but I think he probably actually did deserve one. It's a, it's a really? really great performance. This is a really good movie. <coughs> Surprising, I know. It's a very small movie, you know, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, but it's a very, very good one. Um, essentially, the, the basic storyline, uh, other than the one I just gave you, uh, is, that, is that Bernie is a funeral director, or an assistant funeral director, and just like sweet as pie kind of thing, you know, just right. the nicest guy ever. And he, and he, kinda, and he gets involved with Shirley MacLaine, um, Maybe just to take advantage of how much money she has. You know, you're not really sure. He just likes living the high life with her. Sure. Um, Who wouldn't want to live the high life with Shirley MacLaine? I mean, indeed. Come on. And um, 
so, but eventually she gets really like possessive of him, and he just starts to hate it a bit, and she She'd won't like, let him. Woman, leave. back off! <laughs> and one day he just uh, in the movie, you know, he just kind of picks up a gun and shoots her like four times in the garage. Um, in the crotch? In the garage. Oh, in the garage. Yes. And uh, which could also be. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> but. The conceit being that everybody in the town loves him so much right. that they don't want to convict him. Gotcha. And, because, and, well, loves him so much and hates the woman so much. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good movie. You know, real delicate, but, you know, occasionally very funny, but a great movie. Actually sounds pretty good. I, I, I got to watch this movie. Watch it. It's on yeah, I've heard Netflix it's good. Instant View. Awesome. To put in a plug for Netflix. And there you go. Yeah, Netflix. There you go. <laughs> Netflix. Um, no, I, actually, that that I've heard it's really good. It is. It's like I was a little bit, you know, it's Richard Linklater. It's a little picture. It stars Jack Black, of all people. Right. But it's, it's a surprise. It's one you'll genuinely enjoy. Good. Thumbs up for Bernie. Indeed. All sir. right. What do you got? I got, oh, I got some real steel for you. I finally saw this movie. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a backstory on this, I never saw it when it came out. Like, I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't see it on, you know, DVD. I didn't, you know, <laughs> or Blu-ray or whatever the kids are using now. Um, I um, I finally caught it on cable, like on Cinemax or something. Uh-huh. And, um... The reviews, the overwhelming reviews that I had read or heard of it was that, yeah, it's goofy, mm. but it's better than you think it is. Really? That's the, rev- that, those, that was like the overwhelming sentiment. Okay. Okay. So, I, I watched it and I went, oh, okay, fine. You know, maybe it's better than I think it might be. And it actually was. <laughs> it really actually was. Really? I wouldn't say I'm... that, it, I wouldn't say that it's like some great movie. Yeah. But I just have to say that, uh, judging, you know, my only judgment is the trailers, the movie made the movie look like Drek. It, it I mean, was, it looked terrible. Okay, well, here's the thing. It looked embarrassing. It was, here's the thing. <laughs> it was, it was a complete and total ripoff of the Rocky movies. Right. Okay. But the premise is, and, and, and just a little backstory for people who haven't seen the movie or uh-huh. know what it is. It's set in the future. Here's a, here's a question, sir. Before we get okay. to this. Do they give any credit to Rock'em Sock'em Robot? They should have. <laughs> Definitely. It should have been called Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Indeed, sir. All right. Go okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> because honestly, that was a joke I was going to make. Cool. They, okay. Glad I got there first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, the premise is, in the future, there's this hugely popular boxing uh, association, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Sure. Where... It's robots boxing robots. Uh-huh. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, the, the it's the robot. I mean, I I think it's actually called the Robot Boxing League, the RBL. Um, so, uh, it they take the the sport of boxing and turn it just into robots, but you know, beating the shit out of a ro- other robots. Fair enough. And so, really, what's so fun about that? Exactly. You know, there's I mean, no blood and gore. There's right. no. Delicate. There's no, there's no uh, sweet science there. Exactly. But anyway, so uh, Hugh Jackman plays a guy who was a boxer, uh-huh. a regular boxer, sure. a human on human boxer. Ooh, uh-huh. And um, what an anachronism! I know, right? Uh, so he he 
at some point he lost a fight that he was supposed to win or something. He it was disgraced in some way. And um, uh, he turns into this, like, sort of lowly mechanic or whatever. And uh, this little kid comes along and was like, I want to be in the robot boxing league uh, with my own robot. And Hugh Jackman's like, fine, kid. Uh, we'll go find this piece of junk robot. So they find this piece of junk robot. They make it into this super fighting robot and all this stuff. And uh-huh. uh, it, it you know, takes the, the, the robot fighting world by storm. Ooh. Yeah, I know, right? And it's just this junky robot. And this kid teaches it how to dance. Mm-hmm. And that's like this big thing. I don't know why. What, is it fucking waltzing up there? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, what? yeah. No, he's doing the, uh, he's doing the robot. <laughs> he's doing the Macarena up there? <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Exactly. Um, so, anyway, it's a very formulaic story. This robot comes up, and Hugh Jackman really needs this money, and he, he fights on the, like, underground, like, <laughs> circuit for a while mm-hmm. until he becomes famous enough to be on the actual robot fighting league and all this crap. Sure. And it's super formulaic. But at the same time, um, the the way it's done, uh, Hugh Jackman and this kid have this real good chemistry. Yep. And this kid's actually a really pretty good actor. Right. And so you're not just watching some stupid kid, you know, just being <laughs> like, oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah. He's actually a pretty good actor. And he, you know, he kind of sells the fact that he believes in his robot and all this shit. Uh-huh. And it's actually better than it had any right to be well hey you know occasionally you get the right mix and formula works formula is formula because it because it works yeah and it it, like i said it it's better than it has any right to be and i was like you know when i was done watching it i was like you know i knew how it was gonna end and i knew what was gonna happen at every turn Mm. there was nothing surprising about anything about it but i was like yeah you know that was kind of fun (laughs) <laughs> and you know, it was, it was kind of, you know, it, like I said, there was it was so formulaic that yeah. like I knew it every single turn what was going to happen, <laughs> but I was still going, ah, I don't know, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, real steel, you know, I, there's nothing original really about it. There's yeah. nothing um, that's going to surprise you. There's nothing that's going to go make you go, whoa, whoa, okay. But um, <laughs> it's, it, you know, if you're Bored, it's an enjoyable way to spend an hour and a half. There you you know, it's not bad. And like I said, you um, can do worse. You know, totally. And uh, Hugh Jackman and the kid totally buy in. So good for them. You know, Thanks I mean, so. it, they, if they were both looking like, oh, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> then it would be a totally different movie. But well, they, that is one thing about Hugh Jackman is he usually, you know, no matter what it is, he always looks like he's having a little bit of fun. Right, you know? and he kind of buys it, and he kind of goes, okay, fine, whatever this is, I'm gonna do well right. or whatever this so is what you, i'm doing you know? right yeah so i actually would say that I, I wouldn't say that just run out and rent it right now right but i would say that it, you know if it comes on uh cinemax or whatever it is you know give it a shot it's not bad uh-huh. and the, right. and watching the robot dance is actually kind of funny <laughs> okay so <laughs> you know and actually the special effects are pretty good in it really yeah. Um, I can't imagine that it was like a super high budget movie. No, I don't think it was. But um, the special effects in it are actually pretty good. No, so you kind of buy it. All right, sounds like a pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a tentative thumbs up. All right, all right, good deal, sir. Um, another one I saw. Uh, well, <laughs> this week, not quite. <laughs> quote, but unquote, um, 
I mean in the last two months. Exactly. Um, Total Recall, the new one with Colin Farrell and Jessica Biel, my favorite, favorite Jessica. Uh, really? Kate Beckinsale. My semi-favorite Kate. <laughs> Mine's Kate Hepburn. <laughs> Mine's Kate Winslet. Oh. Yeah. No, wait. I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, this movie is horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's embarrassing for all involved. Really? Yeah. And, it, I mean, even if we're taking away the original. Sure. And just saying, okay, let's just set that this, aside. This exists in a vacuum. Because in comparison... There's simply no, no comparison. I mean, there is no comparison. It's just horrid, this movie. Wow. Um, but even if you take the other movie and the comparisons with it away, this movie's B.A.D. bad. Even if you've never seen the Verhoeven version. I mean, all involved look bored as hell. Um, Kate Winslet is not a convincing badass villain. Or not Kate. Kate Winslet. You got me thinking about her. Kate Beckinsale is not a convincing villain. Um, Jessica Peel, she may be pretty. I don't know. Um, but yes, she's by a, the way, a, she is. She's one of the blandest actors in Hollywood. Um, and Farrell, you know, he's game. There's just not a lot for him to do other than, you know, kind of run. <laughs> well, I could run around for a while. <laughs> And I, Put me I, in it. I think this confirms the fact that Beckinsale's husband, Len Wiseman, who is the director of this picture, is one of the blandest, most boring filmmakers working today. You are very probably right. I mean, there is so much of that weird camera flare, you know, that J.J. Abrams loves, where it's just, there, there's oh, all Oh, the these, lens flare? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's... it's it becomes distracting because at a lot of points you're like, what the fuck is causing that? There's no fucking light. Why is there fucking flare? Yeah. I mean, it's just like there. You're yeah. like, what the fuck? Like, that was adding anything? That was actually fairly annoying in the Star Trek movie. Yes. I was just like, I mean, I get that it wanted, you know, they wanted to be realistic and like, or you know, make there it was, seem more real. Right. right but I mean, Enough is enough, kind of. Right. Yeah. Okay, um, so anyway, and, proceed. And I'm sorry, like, you know, everybody, uh, I've never seen him in it, but everybody says Brian Cranston does so good on, on you know, bad, whatever. Breaking bad. Yes. <laughs> bad stuff breaks or yes. whatever. Um, but uh, it's not an evidence here. I mean, this is one of the worst, I mean, you know, and I loved him on Malcolm in the Middle and, and in many other movies that he's made, uh, he's terrible here. And again, does not make a convincing villain. And in a movie where your two villains are not convincing villains, you got problems. This is true. So, and then we're going to bring back the comparison. Um, (laughs) All right. So, you know what, Arnie? Listen up. You're going to come off as favorable in this. (laughs) Which is unusual these days. I know, right? Um, But no, I mean, Arnold is not a great actor. But he did a lot more with that fucking role than Colin Farrell could. Wow. And that's that's saying (laughs) something. (laughs) But I I don't know. Ah, I don't know. When you when Phil is obviously upset by this movie. When you put Kate Beckinsale next to Sharon Stone, 
And by the way, uh, they unfortunately combine the Beckinsale and, or I mean the, the Sharon Stone and Michael Ironside characters into one, and that's Kate Beckinsale. That would be a weird looking person. Indeed. But no, they, <laughs> they, they kind of, there's no Michael Ironside character in this movie. It's just right. Kate Beckinsale, which is kind of sucky. But, um, uh, but no, any but, movie without Michael Ironside is kind of <laughs> sucky. But you just look at the two movies next to each other. I mean, you have two screens, just watch them. And, uh, you know, Sharon Stone, I have forever said this is one of her two, maybe three best performances she's ever given with Total Recall. You put that next to Kate Beckinsale, and there's it's just pff, blown off screen. Wow. You, <laughs> you take Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox made an interesting, fun, great movie villain in that movie. Sure he did. Against Brian Cranston, out in the space. Wow. Uh, you know, there's a couple times where they acknowledge the original, you know, like when they're going through customs and you've got the big fat lady going, two weeks. Okay. But then the next person in line is who Colin Farrell is, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah, it's like, okay. Um, but I don't know. Verhoeven brought so much energy and fun to the original and it's just so lacking from this. It's a little too self-serious. I kind of got that impression that it was like, uh-huh. there's no fun in this. Right. We, you know what? You want fun? Go somewhere else. Exactly. And it takes far too many stylistic cues from Blade Runner. Like, I mean, it's just like out and out like, um, you know, we watched Blade Runner and then kind of like did that. Yeah, I kind of got that impression. <laughs> Blade Runner and the Fifth Element, and that's half of, oh, this, of this movie. Because so much of it is those stupid flying cars. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I honestly can't say that I've heard a positive review yeah, yeah. of the new Total Recall. And I think that not even all of it is because of the fact that people of our generation loved Total Recall, the first one, so it's much. it's so good. It's so much fun. It's not so good, but it's, it it's is. fun to watch. It is so good. Well, it's fun to watch. It's not nobody would hold it up as like some sort of great movie. They'd be no, it is a great. Movie. <laughs> They'd be wrong. It is a great movie, and to me, like at least Verhoeven plays with some of these things. You know, the is it real or isn't it? Like in the in the original movie, it's at least an open question. Sure, is this is this in his head or is it real? Right when the guy when the bald weirdo looking guy shows right. up and he's like, "I've been sent here to uh-huh. get you out of your psychosis right. or whatever." In the new one, it's like, no, we're coming down right on the side of this is fucking real. This right. is not in his head. Is that no? Okay, now let me ask you this: Is that closer to the original story than the? Than I've I've never read the the, the Philip K. Dick story, so I okay. don't know. But um, but no, that I mean, in the original, it's a question. In this one, like that scene is in this movie. Uh-huh. Where where you know somebody comes in and says, oh you're ha- you're about to have an embolism, you know we got to get you out of this, you're in a blah blah blah, um yeah but it seems totally like fobbed off, like oh this is a really obvious trick. Yeah, well yeah I mean I guess in the original, I guess you could say the original, at least you kind of went well maybe I don't know maybe it is kind of uh, maybe it is he's just having a psychotic episode or something right you know you never really know. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing is, too, is that Schwarzenegger's such a good actor that you never really know. What <laughs> well, he does the same thing either way. 
<laughs> I don't know. Is it you, real or you, isn't it? You blew my cover! <laughs> anyway. So no, anyway, I, I take if, it that... If uh, you're at all recall. interested in this Total Recall, go watch the Arnie one again. Sure. Why not? <laughs> you will have a much better time. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. All right. So... I'm going to go from a uh, cheese ball factory of Total Recall mm. to another cheese ball factory of what's called Striking Distance. Now, okay, for those of us who don't remember 1994, it was 93, thank you. Anyway, this is very much in the vein of the podcast that we did of the um, Seagal Palooza. Right. Long ago and far away. Well, you know, it's fresh in my mouth. <laughs> um, but because uh, you keep listening to it, I've only listened to it once in the car with my mom. Mm. Okay, anyway, so this is a early '90s action picture, right? Uh, starring Bruce Willis uh-huh. and Sarah Jessica Parker, Ooh. of all people. Yes, uh, and has many interesting supporting character actors in it: Dennis Farina, Ooh. Um, Vincent, uh, or no. Uh, Robert Pastorelli. Okay. Um, the guy who beat up Heidi Fleiss. <laughs> Sizemore. Sizemore. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, Andre Brower is in it. Okay. Um, A little bit of class. Yeah, yeah. He's very serious. Yeah. American history. But anyway, so there's all these fairly like you go, oh, that's that guy, and that's that guy, sure. and whatever. Um, so, a little bit of backstory on the movie is that it was written and directed uh-huh. by one Mr. Rowdy Harrington, Ooh. who was the director of Roadhouse. Roadhouse. And, uh, to steal someone else's joke. What's it? Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, anyway, he wrote and directed this movie. Uh-huh. Um, it's set in Pittsburgh, Ooh. which I looked him up on IMDb, uh-huh. so I did my research, Ooh. and uh, he's from Pittsburgh. Of course. So, uh, he, he, basically the story is, is that Bruce Willis is this homicide detective uh-huh. who is chasing a serial killer uh-huh. who can't catch him, and uh, at the very beginning of the movie, he testifies against another cop who's his partner in this police brutality uh, case okay. where his partner just apparently lost his shit and beat the crap out of the suspect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. So. Following, following. Okay. Continue. So, okay. So um, the, his partner, played by Robert Pastorelli. Okay. Uh, if you don't remember who Ro- Robert Pastorelli is. Go watch Murphy Brown. He's a big doughy guy with uh, <laughs> big sticking up hair. And From Murphy um, Brown. Right. He's the painter. Uh, so, <laughs> or eraser. Yeah. You've been erased. You've been erased. So, um, From my memory. <laughs> Robert, Pastore- <laughs> Robert Pastorelli at one very, quote unquote, emotional scene in the movie Ooh. toward the beginning, jumps off a bridge to commit suicide. Yeah. So, um, Bruce Willis is feeling very guilty because he testified against him. And at the same time, we have this side story going where Bruce Willis believes that the serial killer is a policeman. <gasps> so it's like... Uh, dun, dun, dun. 
So then it cuts to two years later after Robert Pastorelli jumps off the bridge. Okay. And uh, Bruce Willis has been busted down to a river patrol cop in uh, Pittsburgh. (laughs) Because it is the Three River City, right? Uh, Sure. Yeah, well. Two come together, one leaves. So maybe three. Okay. So there's these big rivers in Pittsburgh. They have these river cops. And um, Bruce Willis gets teamed up with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. She's a believable police officer. She totally is. She weighs about... That's almost as good as Melanie Griffith in, uh, in that Sydney Lumet picture where she's in the Jewish community. Right, anyway. totally. But no, she's, yeah, she's 90 pounds. She's, um, you know, horsey-faced. And so she's a police officer. Okay. So. I'm with you. Machinations ensue. These serial uh, killings start up again. Um, you know, and Bruce Willis is... Uh, being targeted because the when the serial killer comes back after two years, he's just killing girls that Bruce Willis at some point fucked. Ooh. Yeah. And so it's uh, sort of like, oh, Bruce Willis is the center of this whole thing. But they never make it out to him being a suspect. He just has to go, God. why is this happening? You know, okay. whatever. So, anyway. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very convoluted movie. Yeah, it sounds it. It is. Uh, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Bruce Willis, at least three times. Magnetic time, chemistry, oh, I'm totally. assuming. Well, at least three times in the movie, they uh, completely go for it. Mm. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, really? You want to see Sarah Jessica Parker and Bruce Willis going for it? Yeah. Um, not so much. Yeah. I'll but skip that plot. There, there was the best line ever. Ever though, where Bruce Willis, uh, he went to the policeman's ball mm. to meet Sarah Jessica Parker, who is his partner. Sure, right? Uh, because she she calls him up and says, "I don't have a date. Um, I'm going to the policeman's ball. Hopefully, I'll see you there." And he goes, "Hmm, okay, I'll go." So he goes to the policeman's ball. And uh, Tom Sizemore, who is Bruce Willis's cousin, <laughs> okay, related to him in some way. Yes, flips out. He gets all drunk and he freaks out and he's throwing shit at people and all this stuff. And it's a fairly funny scene um, because he blames him for Robert Pastorelli's death. Oh, oh, right, all emo and shit. Oh. Um, so anyway, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Bruce Willis. She shows up in this like super short, super tight red dress, Ooh. and it's like ooh la la. And he's like, "Oh, you look different. <laughs> you don't have that hat on, right? She, you don't have your." Um, That's uh, the one river. thing I remember about the about the cover was they both had like terrible hats, right? Ooh. Like baseball caps, yes. yeah. And so, and they in in the movie they both have these real like short shorts on, like it, when they're <laughs> patrolling the river. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So, and at one point, she's wearing, like, a bikini top patrolling the river. I'm like, really? You're a cop with a bikini on? Might as well get a tan. Right. So, anyway. In Pittsburgh. Yeah, in Pittsburgh. Um, So, anyway, she she takes him home because he got in this big fight. And um, they get in this argument because he wants to have a drink. And supposedly, he's, like, this, like, total, like, rummy in the movie. And uh, he wants to have a drink. And she's like, you shouldn't do that. That's not a solution, you know. 
and he's like, you don't know me, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, Amos is yelling at the screen, yes, it is. It's a delusion. I'm so sad. <laughs> anyway, so she pours his drink down the the faucet and he goes or down down the faucet down the sink and uh he goes he goes what the fuck is wrong with you she's like you're just running away and he goes why don't you just go home and she's still wearing this little tight red dress right and this is the best line ever he goes why don't you just go home and she goes i'm a woman i don't want to go home oh and then they do it okay. i'm like what? Like, <laughs> I'm a woman. I don't want to go home. What? It's a feminist thing. Well, and see, the funny thing is, is that she didn't say it as in like, hey, I'm a woman. And then also, and also, I don't want to go home. She said it as if, because I'm a woman, I don't want to go home. <laughs> and I'm like. Because we're all just whores. Because we all just jump into bed with our alcoholic partners. Exactly. It's like, okay. So. <laughs> It was just, it was one of these weird early 90s, like, pieces of crapulence that's just mm. so awesome. There were a lot of serial killer movies in the 90s. I know. And, it, yeah, it was just, and then there was all these twists and turns. And, of course. And it was like... Uh, there And there was this so obvious red herring in the movie. I was like, seriously? <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, uh, it wasn't communism, by the way. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I was like... Watching the movie going, really? Are you going to be that obvious with this red herring in this movie? Wow. Usually they are. So, striking distance. Watch it or don't. Sounds like a winner. But it seriously should be in the Sagalapalooza Hall of Fame. It is one of those movies that it's like, you watch it and you go, this is awesome because this is just so not awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, I recommend watching it. Okay. If only for the Sarah Jessica Parker inner underwear scene. <laughs> or not. Is that really what No, that's not at all. Okay. No. Okay. Just checking. All right. Moving, oh, moving on. Moving on, sir. Um, got so many I want to talk about. Um, so, I think I'll do Ted. Ted? I've seen some of Ted. I haven't seen the whole thing. Yeah. Just to let you know. Okay. Um, so, Ted... Probably most of you, I think half the country's seen it. Um, it's uh, Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis. And uh, Mark Wahlberg has a wished on, like, uh, a something or other Christmas. I don't fucking know. Um, that his teddy bear would turn into, a you know, his real friend. Right. And the teddy bear comes to life. It's like he's seven years old or something, right? right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, so... Fast forward 30 years or so, and right. Ted's a foul-mouthed little prick. With Mark Wahlberg. Yes, with whiny Mark Wahlberg, uh, whose girlfriend, Mila Kunis, kind of hates Ted. And that's... Go. <laughs> that's right? The, that's the movie. That's the conflict. <laughs> the girlfriend hates the bear. Go. <laughs> and, you know, there's a bizarre subplot with Giovanni Ribisi uh, wanting to steal... Um, Ted from him from Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's like 
okay, we're kind of a funny, maybe romantic comedy kind of thing, but here's this weird subplot with Giovanni Ribisi wanting to steal. You know, it's like, here's this weird thriller element too, guys. <laughs> hey, you know, whatever. But uh, for we're me, from Boston. Yeah, Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to go to townie? Fuck it. Go to town. I mean, you are a townie. To, go to townie. Go to Southie if you're a townie. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh huh. You are. Fuck you. You are. Fuck you. You are. Bad. <laughs> you are. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's right. enough of that. Um, <laughs> that's your whole review. No. Oh, I thought you no, meant you were done. That was enough with the you are. <laughs> okay. Um, but I did another one anyway. Uh, so no, for me, I don't know. Something just didn't work. I love how you're doing like the Rubik's cube motions with your hands. I don't. I was turning it this all way together, thinking, and I just didn't work. Um, can't there, get it to fit together. There's some very funny stuff in this movie, um, but there's a again a consistency problem, and I don't know if it's because it's Seth MacFarlane's first you know feature length film that's actually his. Yeah. But, you know, he's, you know, used to maybe family guy size, half an hour. Sure. Um, and this, just when it stretched, it, it kind of got thin. Well, I can see that, though, because, you know, you're used to making jokes uh, for 22 minutes. Yeah. And even in that 22 minutes, they're broken up into, like, <laughs> one-minute jokes. Right. And so you make a 90-minute a movie, and you're like... You know, whoa, uh-huh. that's a lot, right? You know, and and you know, I I, I there is a lot of funny stuff, but it, it just uh, it taxes my patience a little too much, especially with the bizarre subplot. Yeah. I don't know, and uh, uh, it just yeah. it just gets tired. I think it, the whole concept. You're like, oh, okay, I'm with the bear. Okay, the bear. I'm getting a little sick of the bear. Okay, I'm really sick of the bear. <laughs> you know, like oh. <sighs> After a while, you know, it just it just kind of heads down still downhill. But. Sure. Well, that one scene though, where Mark Wahlberg reels off all the girls' names, yeah. that was pretty funny. I gotta say, yeah, it was funny when I saw it in the trailer. It, it lacks impact in the picture because <laughs> it's I've because seen you it twenty five times. Right, but see, I'd only seen the trailer like once or twice. Oh, and so I was just like, I I saw that part and I was just like, that's pretty good actually. I mean, that's funny, <laughs> you know. But, but, I mean, and hey, it's good to see Mark Wahlberg not being so self-fucking-serious. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I just don't know that this is the right thing for that guy. You know, like, he's, he's not, like, a naturally funny guy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, again, I've only seen some of it. I haven't seen yeah, the whole yeah. thing. But what I saw was fairly funny. It wasn't necessarily, yeah. like, a laugh riot. Uh-huh. I mean, there's some stuff in that, like, and, and, and this movie was, like, aimed right at me. Yeah. Like, personally. Me. Oh, totally. Like, I, I love Family Guy. You know, I'm, I'm all with it. And then you have the weird Flash Gordon thing going on in the movie. And I'm, I was so there. And oh, yeah. Great to see a Flash in the movie. But it just couldn't get around the corner for me. And, and yeah. I don't know. I can see that, though. I mean, you know, and... There's movies like that that, I mean, every, everybody has movies like that where it's like, you're just almost there, but not quite, you right. know? Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe, you know, Seth MacFarlane, his next movie will be, you know, because uh, he's going to have another movie. Because yes, this is the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time. Correct. So he's going to have another movie. Yep. 
So maybe his next one he'll go, okay, maybe I learned my lesson a little bit on that one. And well, but I doubt it because I made a shit ton of money, you know? What? See, well, you could, it could go either way. He, he could say, okay, maybe this didn't quite hit where I wanted it to. Right. Or, hey, look what Let's I did. Let's just do that again. Yeah, you. look what I did, fuckers. <laughs> I'm on top of the world. Um, but yeah, that for me, Ted gets kind of an in the middle. You know, yeah. it's not terrible. And I can understand how a lot of people find it so funny. I just wasn't quite there. Gotcha. I I understand that. Anyway. All right. You got anything else? Uh, let's see. Well, I rewatched California. How was California 20 years later? Uh, interesting. It actually... Uh, you had mentioned when I, when I said that I had watched it before we well, started recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that there are very few movies... That I, that when I you know think of them I say that was the nineties but that's one that of them. was the nineties totally. you know that movie is like that was like one of those movies that's kind of inseparable that in my mind from its time period sure no I I totally see that too um, but you know you had said to me before we started recording uh, that um, you said that it's more uh, style over substance right. But I really, uh, and you would think that, being that it's a Dominic Sinna movie, mm. uh, but honestly, I didn't get that impression at all. It was not as stylish as you think it was. Huh. It wasn't very, it wasn't flashy camera angles, and it wasn't sliding around a camera and whatever. <laughs> it really wasn't. And I think that the first about three quarters of that movie is very, very interesting. Mm. Um, the Well, and I don't know that I necessarily mean flashy camera when I think of that when I think of style over substance I just mean like these long mournful shots of desert wind ruffling through their hair kind of thing you know like that kind of thing but there wasn't even really that much of that going over you know not a hell of a lot of story you know what I mean yeah no I think that um when I was watching it I was I was going well you know I've seen this before and I I sort of had this impression of it and uh, we'll see how that impression sort of holds up, whatever. But um, I didn't really. I actually thought that it was uh, fairly interesting. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I thought it was surprisingly well written, actually. Huh. Uh, and I looked it up on IMDb, and there was like three writers, uh-huh. three or maybe even four writers. <laughs> yeah. And I was going, oh man, you know that's never a good thing. But it was actually, I thought it was very well written. Huh. And I think that, um, I think the reason I liked it so much originally, and then again when I watched it again, uh-huh. was this the basis of Brad Pitt, his performance in it. Uh-huh. And also, surprisingly enough, Juliette Lewis. Those two were like perfectly cast in this movie. And um, Juliette Lewis especially. Huh. She, she was like brilliant in that movie. And I hate to say that because you're gonna go, oh yeah, right, whatever, Juliet Lewis. But she was, she was spot on in that movie. Huh. And um, it wasn't. I won't say that it's like the best movie in the world, but I will say that like I, like the first, like I said, like seventy five percent of it, the first like seventy five percent of the movie, is very interesting. Uh-huh. It's and it's uh, uh, where the last like maybe quarter of the movie gets kind of goofy. Yeah. But um, well, but I don't know. But honestly, it's it's a it's a very interesting movie to me still, 
And um, that maybe my maybe my memory is serving me ill here, but no, I, I remember disliking it. Well, and in case it just it just briefly, in case anybody doesn't know what we're talking about here, California is a movie starring David Duchovny, Brad Pitt, Juliette Lewis, and that other chick, um, <laughs> Michelle Forbes. Okay, uh, and uh, Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis are these complete, like oaky redneck, white trash losers. Um, David Duchovny and what's her name? Michelle Forbes. Michelle Forbes, that girl with the short hair, um, are like these artists kind of. She's a photographer. He's an author. He is writing a book about serial killers. So he gets this idea because she is up his ass about going to California. She wants to get out of uh, Atlanta, I think they are. Yeah. And um, it, she's just getting up his ass about it, and he's going, "Fine, shut up. I will go to California." I maybe. But um, he, uh, he, he says, okay, fine, we'll go to California, i got to write this book. What we'll do is we'll stop on these, these stops along the way of famous serial killer uh, places where they killed people. Sure. So they don't have enough money to get all the way to California, so they put up this uh, notice uh, for ride share. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, anybody wants to pitch in gas and food and everything to go to California, you can ride with us. So Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis respond to it, and they ride across the country with them. Turns out Brad Pitt is this uh, psychotic dude uh-huh. who uh, kills a bunch of people along the way, although mm-hmm. they don't know it toward until toward the end. Sure. Um, and, it, you know, it all culminates in this weird climax that is, eh, okay. But <laughs> anyway, along the way is very interesting. Right. Because Juliette Lewis plays this sort of like semi-abused woman who's with Brad Pitt as only she can. Like uh, that's as I recall in my memory, that performance by Juliette Lewis is kind of like six other performances by Juliette Lewis. It's it's very similar to a lot of her other performances, right? But it's actually I think it's one of her better ones. Huh. It's sort of like the okay if you take the character she played in. Uh, Natural Born Killers, right. and turn it into more of a victim role as opposed to an aggressor role. That's right. kind of what it is. Okay. And actually, like I said, it was it was interesting. It was uh, up until toward the end when it got a little goofy. <laughs> um, it was a very interesting movie. It really was. Maybe I'll have to give it a rewatch. It was it was better than you remember. I think. Okay. All right. So, so I've got two more, and then we're out of here, people. Out All right. People. <laughs> um, if you got anything from that. Um, well, maybe. <laughs> uh, one, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Nice. I actually, uh, you, you know me, I you have know. to put myself through Michael Bay movies, even though I hate them. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? I think it's just, just because so of the you, podcast. Just so that you can't be like, well, you haven't seen it. So you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I yeah. like Michael Bay. Yeah, Michael Bay's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Um, is, uh, not bad, actually, I think. Wow. <laughs> I, th- well, I just I think... bugged out of my head. <laughs> I mean, you know, of the, on the, um, rather low level of, uh, other Transformer movies, um, this is the best. I think they progressively got better as it went along. Really? Yes. Wow. And then supposedly there's another one coming, so we'll see. Minus Shia, who's always been just a stick in my craw in these movies. He's fucking annoying. 
Um, but uh, I think, and it's because uh, Bay has actually reacted to the criticisms of the movies. You know, the first one was so frenetic and like, like I've always said, you couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. Right. In this movie, every time, literally almost every time the, the Transformers fight each other, mm-hmm. he puts it into slow-mo so that you can actually see what's, <laughs> see what's happening. Going on. Right. Um, so in, in stylistic ways, it makes the movie more accessible or less annoying, perhaps. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, it's it works. I think, uh, you know, it has a suitably grand ending that I think the others lacked. I thought the second one had a fairly grand ending. Well, yeah, but that that one also was silly. <laughs> yes, possibly silly. <laughs> this one was less silly. Okay, to me. To okay, me. gotcha. Um, but uh, you know, and there there are certainly things I did not appreciate about the movie, uh, such as um, what's his name, the guy from TV, eighties star villain in the movie. Oh, um, yeah, Mick Dreamy. Yes. Patrick Dempsey. Yes, thank you. That took far too long. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe I came up with McDreamy before I came <laughs> up with Patrick Dempsey. Um, and I think it actually might have made me miss, um, what's her name? I'm really bad at this tonight. Megan Fox? Yeah. Are you serious? Well, the girl well, they cast actually, was so, like, she, she was pretty, but she was true. bland. Well, she like, she could barely act. Pretty, really. Yeah, yeah, but she could barely act. Yeah. Um, actually, kind of, you know what? I agree with you. I'm retracting that statement. <laughs> I actually did miss Megan Fox a little bit in this movie. Because <laughs> at least Megan Fox, you'd be like, to me, okay, and I know that you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but at least with Megan Fox, you kind of go, oh, this kind of trashy, like, uh, you know, like white trashy chick that, you know, wears short skirts and cusses and shit like that. You're like, I can be on board with that. <laughs> you know? Like, this... <laughs> This, like, supermodel, icy, Nordic-looking blonde, right. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know you. <laughs> but, <coughs> excuse me, some of the, you know, B performances were genuinely fun. Uh, Tortura wasn't nearly annoying as the I know. Was. He was dialed down about four yeah. or five notches yeah. on this one, and, which uh, was awesome because he was awful <laughs> in the second one. <laughs> and uh, Malkovich was pretty fun. He was, he was fun. He was just like like when the guy fell out of the window, and he's like, "Okay, so that happened. Now get back to work or whatever." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of I I, I hate to admit it. These have gotten better with each one. I will say this. In my opinion, it was the first one I'm ambivalent about. The <laughs> second one, I liked parts of it. Yeah. Like, there were certain parts I really liked. Uh-huh. The third one is the same kind of thing. Like, I liked certain parts of it. Yeah. I don't know. I I like them because it's Transformers and I'm a yeah, guy yeah. from the... 80s right, we're both blah, blah, children blah. of the 80s. Right. Um, but, like, I I have a hard time differentiating, like, which one I like the best. Because yeah. there's certain parts of each of them that I go, that was awesome. And then there's certain parts of each of them I go, ah, why did they put it? I mean, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and for me, I think a, a big help to each movie as they've gone along is the is the kind of 
I don't know if maybe they've kind of em embraced their their uh, their own kind of you know Transformers history, but they've kind of gotten grander each time. True, you, you get a little more of a world rather than just kind of like here's some robots in L.A. You right, know, whatever. Yeah, you're right about that for sure. I don't know. Yeah, they, no, they, you're definitely they, they've right done about a better that. job of, of of making I don't know. A world yeah, out of it, right? Or you know, in, in kind of that Star Wars, being like a space opera, kind sure. Of thing. It, yeah. it, it becomes a little grander, more interesting. Kind yeah, of yeah. No, you're definitely right about that. Oh. I won't argue with that. That's what I think. I, it's still a Michael Bay movie, and it's certainly not my favorite. But in its own terms, it's better than the other two. I think. I will say this. I will say that I found Shia LaBeouf the most irritating in the third one. He was really loud. Really loud, just screaming and whining <laughs> the entire time. Yes. Like, in the first two, I kind of went, oh, well, you know, maybe he's just this regular <laughs> kid that's just put in this weird situation. But in the third one, he was just screaming all the time. Yep. And I went, really, Shia, I I, I can't take you anymore. <laughs> it is definitely Especially that true. scene. There was that one scene where his car... That not uh, Bumblebee, but the yellow yeah, car yeah. that he had, uh -huh. that shitty car, got hit with the, the little security gate. Uh -huh. And he just was screaming. Yeah. And I was like, I was just watching that scene and going, wow, he's like having <laughs> like some sort of psychotic breakdown right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he's always gone really far over the top in those movies. And I don't know. Yeah, I, wow. I just remember watching that particular scene and it sticks out <laughs> in my mind and going, I would like to punch you right in the face right now. <laughs> God, that dog. Of course the dog does too. Yes. Dog's not a big LaBeouf fan. Indeed, sir. So, I don't know, unless you have something else. Ah, uh, I don't think I do. Uh -huh. do you, you said you had one more? I do. The, we'll do a newer, newer, new-ish. Um, I saw The Hobbit. An okay. unexpected journey, as they always have to have. Some. Right, yeah. They have to have some little subtitle. Yes. But I will say this, mm. just right off the top. Okay. I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of the Lord of the Rings. Yes. I love those movies. Yes. And um, I was not really interested in Hobbit. I, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, I was, well, I... I was I, sort of like... I, I, in my, okay, just to, in my uh, own personal thing, The Hobbit as a story uh, was far better for me than those Lord of the Rings. See, I felt the other way. I like for me. I don't know. Like it took me like four tries to get going with a lot. I I, I read that hundred that first hundred pages of the fucking Lord of, of Fellowship of the Ring like literally four or five times before I got any further in the book. See, I was the opposite way. Like I I mean I read them all. Like mm -hmm. it didn't like take me like a while to get into one or the other or whatever. Right. But for me, The Hobbit was just sort of like eh, whatever. You know. I mean, it was <laughs> it was it was a fun little thing. You know, it was a little adventure. Blah blah blah. But I liked Lord of the Rings a lot better. But I will say this. With the movies, uh -huh. I saw Lord of the Rings. I was super into it. I thought they were great. I was like, this is the best. But then, when I saw they were making The Hobbit, I kind of went, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of done with that. Like, I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I saw it. It was great. But, well, but it's I'm not done. the same. But, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, I will say, I think I would have much preferred... Um, had it actually been Guillermo del Toro who who did it rather than Peter Jackson? Really? Yes. I mean, I think the decision to turn a um a rather you know 
small story into three movies is a bit tiresome. And I yeah. think it's, it's yet another indication that Peter Jackson has become very full of himself. Yeah. And never knows when to cut. Yeah. See, Things I... Things just go on. See, I heard that... Review that I heard of that movie was that it's like it starts off the first scene is great and then it just drags. Well, I wouldn't say that. I think for being you know whatever two and a half, almost three hours kind of thing, just the first one, right? Good lord. Um, it actually uh, the time went by. I didn't notice it so much. Uh, there were a few times where you're like, what the fuck is this? You know, like. Maybe it's in the book, I'm sure, but, you know, they get, they're wandering, walking through this mountain pass and all of a sudden the fucking mountains come alive and start throwing rocks at each other? What the fuck? I mean, this is, how is this relevant? It's just shit to look cool in your movie. Right. And you're like, uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> well, think about it this way, though, too, because the, the Lord of the Rings, mm. the three books yeah. were three movies, right? Uh-huh. Okay. The Hobbit is one book. Yeah. Made well, into three movies. Correct. Okay. It's a, it, it. I will certainly say it's a bit long-winded. It remains fun, but, you know, that opening scene where you meet all the dwarves and they're talking about the journey and they're trying to get started on the journey, goes on for 20, 20 minutes. See, I'm, 20, not, I'm, I'm not really on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just not. But, um, no, but like I, be, like I say, it's still interesting and fun, and, like, I didn't mind the movie. It's nowhere near the quality of the other three. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the budget wasn't quite exactly the same. Oh, it was bigger. What? Oh, it's a lot bigger. Oh, that's I mean, a mistake. And I and I, I have to... What do you mean that's a mistake? You're not going to make as much money as they did on Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit has made like six or seven hundred million dollars. Okay. Worldwide. Well, all right. Almost 300 here in the States. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they're they're making hand over money hand over fist. Um, but what was I gonna say? I will say I saw the movie in the three D with HFR, and um, well, which for those of you not in the know is high frame rate. Peter Jackson shot it at forty eight uh, frames per second instead of the normal twenty four. Right. And the reason for that is that it makes three D look better. Uh, and I will say, this is the one time I've watched a movie in 3D and I did not get a headache of any kind. All right. So it kind of worked. But, alternatively, the fucking HFR makes it look like digital TV. It's so crystal clear that it becomes kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Like, it, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like surreal, kind of, like. Right. You kind of go, whoa. Well, it, like, I mean. Maybe it's just because, um, you know, it's a movie and the movies are supposed to be kind of gauzy and they're supposed to be a different, you know, kind of another world, but you're counting the wrinkles on, you know, somebody's face. Right. Because it's all fucking crystal clear that right. it, it gets a little odd. Yeah, I know what you mean. But they, uh, they also do things that confuse their own storyline uh, from the other movies. Like in, in this one. Uh, Frodo is supposed, or Bilbo is supposed to have learned that Moria was already had been taken over by orcs and stuff. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, right. In like, because like they the didn't find one. that out in the, until the right. second because movie. It, right. Right. And right. And, and what's his name? Gimli is uh, his father is in this movie, but Gimli has no idea of that in the Fellowship of the Rings. Right. Well, it was until this way, it's a, it's a scene in the in the start of the movie that they go to Moria, and to try to fight out all the orcs and stuff. So they be after they lose the the the, the mountain. Right. That see that that timeline's off. Yes, completely. It, it really is, and and it's stuck in my craw. I was just yeah, like, that, like, that doesn't make any sense because in the second in in the fellowship they have no idea of that. Right. So they can they kind of fuck with their own timeline a bit. Weird. But um, considering no, I mean, how how uh, you know like close he wanted to follow the story and everything, you'd think that he wouldn't do something like that. Well, I think it's because in terms of these movies. Uh, Peter Jackson has an addiction to big, you know, he wants to make sure. it grand, have big battles, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I think in order to do that, he maybe unintentionally fucked with his own timeline. So probably, um, yeah, I mean, it, like I say, it's totally enjoyable. And if you can see it in the HFR 3d, see it because that's how it's intended to be seen. Sure. Um, and it looks good, um, but uh, but yeah, it, it's it it's certainly not at the level one would hope. Just because I think it is so long. Yeah. Well, I, I like I said. I mean, I get that. But I mean, <laughs> a lot. Some people thought that the Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, trilogy was long winded. But I think that that one well, those were has, at least they were fitting a whole book in there, right? And it's and, not like you still can't find a five-hour version of the movie. Huh? Sure, I have two of them. I actually have the the Fellowship and uh, the Two Towers uh, extended versions. I don't have the the Return. Return, but Return's my least favorite. Well, yeah, that's that's an interesting point because I actually have talked to more than one person who's read the books uh-huh. just. You know, just the books. Right. Um, and maybe have seen the movies later on or whatever, but I always asked them, like, I always asked every person who had read the books, because I read the books at a fairly young age, uh-huh. um, but I mean, I still got it and everything, um, but uh, which was their favorite and or least favorite book? Uh-huh. And some people did say Return of the King because it's all just about battles. Uh-huh. But see, the funny thing is, is that in a book, that might be kind of boring. Because, you know, you can't, I mean, yeah, you can talk about battles and fine. But in a movie, that's like, that's the exciting part, you know? That's sure. when you get the olifants stomping on people and all that shit, <laughs> sure. you know? And so, I don't know, I well, think that... I don't know. And I will say that the, the point that annoys me the most in that movie makes sense in a book, less so f- uh, from a filmmaking perspective. Which is what? The fucking ghost army. Yeah, but it's like it's in a book. It kind of makes sense because you you've gone through them and they, you get the backstory and blah blah blah, and they kind of sketch it out in the movie. But it still at the end of the at the end of the Return of the King feels like a Deus Ex Machina, where it's it kind of like, does. Oh, we win. It, yeah, you're right. It kind of does. But you know, you got to figure though. I give Peter Jackson a lot of credit for balancing all all these various factors of, you know, I mean, honestly, just the Fellowship of the Ring uh-huh. could have been at least two movies if you put all the stuff in 
the movie that was in the book. Right. That book is so dense. <laughs> I mean, really, Fellowship of the Ring yeah. is like, it's like the densest book in the world. Uh -huh. The Two Towers and the Return of the King are a little more yeah. languid, kind mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. But the first one, oh my god. <laughs> you could have put so much into that if you decided to. Yeah. You know. That was true. And even in the extended versions, in the quote unquote director's cut, there was still stuff that was in the book that was cut out. Like uh -huh. they just didn't even bother. Sure. Like Tom Bombadil. <laughs> and now we're <laughs> nerding out. Thanks, people. Um, but no, I like it and in contrast, in The Hobbit, they went to other material to add in. So, like, there's stuff from the Silmarillion and other oh short Lord. stories and stuff that they've thrown in to, you, to flesh it out. Oh, geez. Have you ever tried to read the Silmarillion? No. Oh, my God. I tried twice. And I was like, <laughs> I got about ten pages in. I was like, I give up. You beat me. J.R.R. Tolkien, you win. But, anyway. Okay. I think uh, out, outside of the fact that a, couple, uh, that a couple places go too long and a couple places go too goofy... Um, and like I said, at least one point is a little confusing. I will recommend The Hobbit. I think it, it's it's uh, it's like it's it's a good movie experience. Okay, good, fair enough. I was not super interested, but you know, <laughs> we'll see. I'll probably, I'm sure, I'll see it at some point. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, are we done now? <laughs> just kidding. Are you done? Maybe Phil, move uh, on. Will we stop talking now? No, <laughs> all I right, sir. Well, I can't think. Of, I I'm trying to think. There was another movie I saw, but now I can't think of it. And damn it, it will have to wait till next yeah. week. I'm sure because damn it, I can't think. Of it. <laughs> all right, sir. Well, how okay. can people give their response to our opinions? They can go to, uh, well, they can send an electronic mail message Ooh. to. Can you FBI at gmail.com? Okay. You can post a message on our Twitter Ooh. at at <laughs> can you FBI? Ah. I, I hate that Twitter thing. Uh, at. That is like the most annoying thing. You have to say at. You don't have to say at. You just say, can you FBI? That's it. Everybody knows you put an at thing at the front. Whatever. It's so <laughs> annoying. And also, we have a Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, can you fucking believe it? Join us. Post. Tell Post. us your comments. Frolic. <laughs> Enjoy each other's company. Exactly. Uh, without actually being in each other's company. If that's what social networking, working, working, social networking is for. Exactly. Is to to talk to people without actually talking to anybody. Yay! Yay! And you can post anonymous comments on there, probably. So, you know, tell us we suck. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> All so, right, so that's how you can contact us. And Phil, the last thing we got to do, as usual, is have you take us out. <laughs> well, can you fucking believe it, Ghost Army? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>